You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. to be here. Hi, Northwest. It's good to be here. I, mean, I think I've been twice this term already. It's great. Love it. Love it. Always love coming out. Don't get to come out enough. Yeah, so far away. It's actually quicker, I think, for me to come from my house here than it is to go to Broadmeadow now. That's okay. That's fine. It's only a car trip. doesn't really matter. Hey, um, this morning I get to continue on with what we've been talking about, what um, Pastor Darren talked about last week and Pastor Keith at Central Campus. And it's all about the kingdom, our kingdom commission and how important that is. And so I'm really excited to be able to bring this message today and, and to f- we're just focusing on this section of our vision because our vision, Victory Emerging, is a really important part of who we are, Right. And it really determines why we're doing what we're doing every single day. And so I just want to recap a little bit on what the guys said last week um, to be able to set us up for where we're going this week. Yep. So last week we talked about the why of what we do. So we talked about the mandate of our Kingdom Commission and what that actually means. So Victory Emerging, our... Hi. Hi. We've got to run away. As long as you guys aren't running away, that's fine. So the reason, we, the reason why we are here in this city at this time, the reason why we have a vision called Victory Emerging is to live out and fulfill His calling and purpose in our lives, individually and as a community. And there are two main reasons that everything that we do hinges on. And those two reasons are, the, are firstly to have a significant impact in this city and beyond for the kingdom of God. And the second thing is to make disciples intentionally who are making disciples. That's what we're here to do. That's why we do what we do. And so I'm going to read to you from Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is our verse that we are on at the moment. We're going to preach from today. And all authority It says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So this is Jesus speaking. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. And last week we talked about the first part, the why, and Pastor Keith talked about why we do what we do, and Pastor Darren as well here. As genuine disciples, our why is always Jesus' why. So quickly, we have um, compassion for people. Jesus loved the people that were around him. He loved every person. And so we love what Jesus loves, right? We live in obedience to God. We do what Jesus did and what he said we should do. And we have faith in his plan. We actually believe that what he said we would do, we can do. So they're the three things that we talked about last week. And then um, Pastor Keith said something as well. To be taught as a disciple is to endeavor to become like him. To endeavor to become like him. And that's what it's all about. We're endeavoring to become more and more like Jesus. So there's a second part to the Kingdom Commission. Not just why but who, how, and where. And that's where we're going today. The who is this for? Who pursues this? The how do we pursue this? And the where do we pursue this Kingdom Commission? And that's what we're going to. So first of all, this morning, I just want to talk about the who. Sorry, had a little hiccup in my throat. Um, We're going to talk about the who just quickly this morning because the who is really important. Because if there's no one to take this kingdom commission out, then why would we have it? Why would it work? How is it going to happen? And so we want to talk about that this morning. And the, the kingdom commission happens through the ministry that God has given us. So this morning, everything that we talk about is talking about the ministry of what we're doing, of ministry of kingdom commission. 
So the first thing in the who is who pursues the kingdom commission are people who are passionate about being genuine disciples. Yep. Now, I was thinking about this and I thought about, you know, um, we all know or have been a part of perhaps kids sport, right? Yep. If you haven't been a part of kids sport, I'm sure you've seen parents who are a part of kids sport. Now, I am a parent of a child who does some sort of sport, not team sports yet, might come in the, in the future, but I'm happy to go and sit in the gym um, bleachers, is that what you call, that's American, isn't it? Oh well, that'll do. The gym bleachers, you know what I'm talking about, and watch my child do gymnastics, not a problem. I am happy to go and see, her. I'm happy even to help out at athletics, although it was a little bit reluctantly, Beck's laughing, Pastor Beck's laughing, because she knows how reluctant I was on a Friday night to go to athletics. However, I did it, and I helped at the long jump pit, and I helped when I had to take times, and I helped to measure out the discus, and I was a good parent. I was awesome. So I'm happy to be a part of my kids' sport, not a problem. Now, then you've got the parents who go to the next level. So I don't know if you've seen recently there's been an ad on TV. I don't watch a whole lot of, like, commercial TV, Good on Netflix now. No, no ads. We all love that. So I don't watch a lot. But I did see an ad the other day about a show, a new show coming called Dance Mums. Oh, my. I'm a, I apologise if anybody's... Is anybody here a dance mum? I better check this. Okay, you're not one of those dance mums. That's okay. I continue with this illustration. Whew. And I was watching and they are like a whole nother level of commitment to their child's sport. I don't know if you can actually, uh, like it's like seriously obsessive. And I was a little bit afraid of those women that I was watching and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is insane. They take it to a whole nother level. It's not even on the scale. I don't think there is a scale for like dance mums. It's like way beyond what any normal parent should do for their child. However, there are also the soccer dads who are out there, like I'm not up them up to them yet. The soccer dads though who are coaching the team, you know, they're there and they're involved and they're sold out to what they're doing. And then you've got the soccer mums who like are there as well and they're like yelling on the sideline at the ref who they think they've, you know, their child's been hard done by and and then they're knitting scarves on the side in the colours of the kids' team and wearing the colours and doing the whole thing and, like, really sold out to the cause of soccer for their child. Like, it's a whole other thing. Then you've got the diehard footy fans who love the footy so much and who dress in it, who are in their, the uniform, are so excited about the games that are coming up, who go to the away games, who buy a season ticket every single time, every single season, like insane, you know, who know exactly the stats of all the players and who know if that player is not running fast enough because they've obviously eaten the wrong thing. I think he might be actually a little bit intolerant to dairy and so he must have eaten dairy today. And so that's why he's not running. That's not why he's doing the... You know, they know everything about these people. And it's just a bit, you know, obsessive. But then you've got the people like me who I'm happy to go to a football game. I'm happy to go to a soccer game. Not, not a, who most people would call the real football. Is that right? Um, I'm happy to do any of that. I'm, in fact, I'm happy to take any freebie that they're willing to give me and sit in the stands and enjoy the match and enjoy the atmosphere and all of that stuff. But I will not be going to away games and I will not be buying gold class tickets, whatever, to go and watch it. But I'm happy to take the benefit of being there if I'm there. Not a problem. But the thing is, I'm not sold out to the cause. And so the, some people are sold out to the cause of their child's soccer or dance or whatever it might be. And there's a, a thousand things that you might be sold out to because you love it and you're passionate about it. Well, I want to tell you today that being a disciple of Jesus, being a genuine, authentic disciple of Jesus means we are passionate about being sold out to the cause of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And when you think about it in terms of soccer, 
or and you see these people who are so genuinely sold out to what's going on in a, on a soccer field. We should be so much more sold out to what Jesus has asked us to do because we have the answer for the world. The world's hurt. The world's, you know, darkness. We've got the answer to that. Being passionate about this means we need to grab hold of it and run with it. First and foremost, it's about a desire to be like Jesus. God created us to be conformed to his likeness. God created us like that, predestined us. And out of that comes a desire to live like Jesus. His character in and through us, his values become our values. Yeah? His values like being able to live from the identity of sonship, being able to live out of that place where we know who we are, we know who God is, and we can live there and rest there all the time. Not having to worry about proving ourselves to a whole lot of people, but actually knowing who God's made us to be and living from that place of sonship, daughtership, whatever you, whatever you like to call it. But the same thing applies, that we live in that place all the time. We do what Jesus, you know, Jesus never did anything that the Father didn't ask him or tell him to do or say. And that's what it means to live as a daughter and a son of Christ, a daughter and a son of God, to actually do and say what Jesus is telling us to. Loving and forgiving people. We've been talking about this. Who's, who's liking the activation journals that we've got? They're fantastic. And that's just what we've been talking about, that passage in John about loving people so people will know that we are Jesus' disciples because of the way we love one another. And, and you can look in Matthew 5, 43 to 48, it talks about loving our enemies. So it's not just loving the people who are immediately next to us now who we love so much, but it's actually also loving the people who we find difficult to love, the enemies, that people, the people who are against us. We love those people because our values are Jesus' values. And serving, Mark 10, 42 to 45, you can look that up later, talks about not lording it over people. You know, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. So why should we think of ourselves any differently? We're here to serve, not to be served. And I know sometimes you get into that place, well, I deserve and it's my right. Where's, what about we just go back to what Jesus said? If, if anyone had a right, it would have been Jesus. And yet, he served so selflessly, with complete humility, not lording it over anybody, even though he had the truth, even though he knew he was right. He never made anybody feel like they had to serve his, like him and, and stop and do everything for him. He served other people in his cause. He served us in his cause, right? People who, the second thing in this, sec, in this point is that people who are passionate about being disciples are passionate about making disciples. Not just about being disciples, but making them along the way, making them on our journey. So important. This was Jesus' priority. He said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. He knew what the purpose was, and he knew that his priority was to make disciples of other people as well, to get the message out there, not just to live his own personal life and do well and talk to God and hear for him and do all of that, but actually to go out and show other people what to do, to help them to see the truth of God, to help them to be the best people that they could be as disciples. For Jesus, there were so many things that he could do, even good things that he could do, but there was one thing he must do. Getting the message of the kingdom, making disciples was the highest priority. And he commissioned us with this same priority. That's what he's done. He's commissioned us with the same priority. And it's actually a trust, a kingdom trust that has been given to us. Wow. A trust that we have been given, a call and a mandate and a ministry that we have been given to go out and make disciples. His priorities are our priorities, making disciples, extending God's kingdom. And that's what our vision is all surrounded about. 
It's all about making disciples. The why of what we do is extending the kingdom and making disciples. This is the call of Jesus. He didn't call the half-hearted who only wanted the benefits of hanging around him. Jesus called those who were zealous about his kingdom and he told them, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We're walking this way. We're not stopping over here to take a little break just for a moment. I'm just having a really bad day, God. I just need a break over here just for a minute. No, no. Through those bad days, through everything, we're walking in one direction, his direction, with our eyes fixed on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We have got our eyes forward and we are walking with him, with his mission, his commission for us at the forefront of our minds. You know, our church has been on a journey for the past few years. And the truth of what it means to be a community committed to being genuine disciples of Christ and creating genuine Christ-like disciples is becoming clearer and stronger. We're getting there. We're understanding. We're listening to God and we're asking Him, what does that actually look like for us every day? And while it's not, we're not throwing out all our structure and all our programs, we are on a mission to do what Jesus told us to do, turning people into radical followers of Christ, not just active members of the church club. Because it's all very well for us to hear this. It's all very well for us to go, yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. But we need to make sure that that revelation becomes a reality in our world. That actually we take it and we do something with it. Not just take it and forget about it next week when it gets a bit hard or, you know, we decide, oh, you know what, I I know that that's what the Bible says, but I'm choosing not to read that bit this week. That's okay. I'll read it another time. You know, we don't want to be just active members of a church club. We want to actually be sold out to this cause because otherwise, why are we here? We want to see this outworking in all of our ministries. And one of those ministries that is super important is our kids' ministry, right? We have the privilege of discipling the youngest people to be able to become strong followers of Christ. Wow, what a privilege that is. And it's just a great place to start. I wish that I had had that opportunity as a youngster to know Jesus from such an early age. My kids, I will listen to them and I will record them when I can sneakily do it, worshipping Jesus in the back seat of my car when I'm not driving to make sure that I can capture these moments for them so that one day I can show them and go, "You've, you've known Jesus your whole life. You are strong because of where you came from when you were young. And so we get the privilege of being able to do that in our kids' ministry. And I just wanted to take a minute, Pastor Keith's doing the same um, at our central campus this morning, to be able to say what a great job our kids' ministry do. Like seriously, if you're involved in kids' ministry, you guys are amazing and you're doing such an incredible job. And, And it's not to say that nobody else is in any of their ministries, but right now I can just see the value in our, in our young people, in our very young people. And week in and week out, you guys are so valuable doing such a great work. We want to make sure that this ministry continues to thrive. And so we are seeking people who would, co- who would commit to being a part of this ministry perhaps for the first time. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe you do want to have thought about it for a long time. If it's something that is tugging at your heartstrings, yeah, I could be a part of that disciple-making process for young people then I want to ask you to just come and see one of our incredible core team. If you didn't know, Claire, of course, is having a baby. Wow. And she's stepping out of our core team. Sam is still powering on, doing an incredible job out there right now. And Jess has actually joined our core team. So let's hear it for Jess with our kids' ministry. And so I wanted to honour them this morning and be able to let you know that our kids' ministry is thriving. But I also wanted to throw out the seeds because we believe that there is somebody who is called to actually be the leader of our minist- of this ministry and oversight that core team and take us to a new place with, the, with disciple making and children. And so I'm going to throw it out there. And if you think that that might be something that you're being called to do, I'd love for you to come and see Pastors Darren and Beck to be able to say, actually, maybe, and we can explore that with you. Or maybe you just want to volunteer, whatever it might be. But we're just putting it out there. You just never know what God will do. And, I'd, and it's so important that we, 
listen to what God's saying and be able to disciple all of those people who are around us, whether it's the young people or whether it's just the people in your world right now. God is calling you to be in their world and to actually make disciples of them, to have intentional conversations, to be passionate about them, to be excited about who God's placed in your world and what that's going to look like. It's not a daunting thing. You know, I'm not asking you to stop everything and become an evangelist. That's not what this is about. He caught, he's made it very easy for all of us to do this. This is not cold turkey evangelism. This is a call that we all have on our lives. There are some people who are gifted with evangelism. That's great. But we are all called to make disciples. So let me talk to you about the concept of co- commission, commission, just for a bit. Commission by default is the opposite of omission, which means something has been left out. Our kingdom commission is not an option to be left to do nothing with. We must do something with it. It is our duty. It's our call. And you may not feel qualified to do it. You may think there is no way that I can do it. Passion for this commission is not about a gift. It's not about a position or a personality type, or a special qualification. You really may feel like you can't do it. But Stephen Furtick in his book, Unqualified, says, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. The commission that Jesus gave right before his departure was not for just the 11 disciples. It was for every one of his followers from that point forward. Every single person that would follow him would make him Christ of their lives. Every person everyone, you and me. Commission is also an assignment with authority, with authority. It's been given to all of us, not just a few. So the passion for this assignment comes in knowing that he has called us and he believes in us, believing that he can do through us what he said he can do and doing what he has commissioned us to do with authority. Matthew says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, because of that, because of that authority that I have in my name, you can do anything. Take that authority and go and make disciples. Because the Jesus that I know has all the authority of heaven. All the authority of heaven. Every part of heaven's authority is on Jesus. Therefore, we have it too. We can do what he has called us to do because he has given us that authority and asked us to now take it and go. And even after they had seen Jesus a couple of times, you can read in verse 17 of this, there were still people who didn't believe it. There were still people who doubted it, who had unbelief about this. They'd already seen Jesus. They knew who he was and yet they still doubted themselves. They doubted him. Well, I want to tell you today, you don't need to doubt anymore. You can take captive of those thoughts and move in the direction that Jesus is telling us to do, to go. He's asking us to go, not sit still and wait for him to come back, but to go and make disciples of every person who you come into contact with. Jesus is telling us that we can do do it because he's authorized us to do so. No demon or devil, no government or political system, no skeptic or cynic can prevent you from doing what you have been trusted and commissioned to do, right? So how does this work? Well, of course, it works best with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he gave us someone who we would be able to make sure he would, we would never be alone. We would have all that authority. We would be able to operate under his guidance, and that is the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So in your home, in the place in your neighbors, and to all the ends of the earth, every place. That's where we've been commissioned to go. That's how it works, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it happens out of the well. It happens out of the well. Rivers of living water flow from us. Rivers of living water. We get to dwell in that place of rivers of living water. We get to stay and bathe in that place of rivers of living water. It overflows from us. Every part, when we spend time with God, when we spend time with Him, we are getting filled up to overflowing. And that deep depth that God has given us, that amazing place 
of resource and this wealth of incredible richness that we have within us. It comes out of that place. And the more time we spend with Him, the greater that and richer that and deeper that well becomes. The Holy Spirit is already at work in you and creating in you places that you can take from and then the rivers of living water will just continue to flow out of everything you do and everything that you say. That's where we want to live. So it happens out of the well. It happens out of a walk, being led by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Again, it's not about forcing this to happen. It's not about making this a reality. We've been given the Holy Spirit. It says, if we, are, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let's just activate that. Let's just go. If we surrender to Him, He will guide us and He will use us. And the third thing is it happens with power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. That is the reality. God has not given us a spirit of, uh, not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. He has given us that. That's where we should be coming from. Not only is the presence and power of the Spirit necessary for this to work, but it works best in the context of authentic relationship. There's a scripture in the Bible, a story in the Bible from Luke chapter 7, and it's about a Pharisee and Jesus and a woman, a sinful woman. And it starts at 36, uh, verse 36. I'm not going to read it to you because we'll be here all morning, and I know you don't want to do that. However, I just wanted to bring to, you, bring to your attention some parts from that story. So Jesus has been invited by the Pharisee Simon to come and have a meal with him at his house. So he goes. And in the midst of this, a woman comes from behind him, a sinful woman, and starts to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. And then after she's done that, she takes some very expensive perfume, probably cost her everything that she had, and she anoints Jesus with that. And it's just a beautiful picture. She didn't anoint his head with olive oil, like that would be much cheaper and, and the customary thing to do. But she chose to, to ex- anoint him with an expensive perfume because she knew that she was broken and she came wounded and she came knowing that she needed forgiveness and she knew where to come to get that. You know, Simon looked at, at this and sat in judgment. And he was just like, what are you letting her do that for? Seriously, she's a sin. Do you not even know who she is? Do you not know what she has done? Like, what are you, what are you even doing? But Simon didn't even greet Jesus with a kiss. He didn't give him water to be able to wash his own feet with. He didn't even give him oil, which was the customary thing to do to be able to anoint himself. He didn't do any of that as a sign of hospitality. Obviously, this Pharisee didn't think that Jesus had really had anything to offer him. But Jesus showed acceptance and care. It wasn't based on this person's performance. This woman's performance, it wasn't based on that. It was just an acceptance of who she was, knowing that she had something that she needed, which was forgiveness, and knowing that she came broken and gave of her all to be able to see that realized in her life. He saw the person. He didn't see what she'd done in the past. He saw the person right there, right now, as God saw her, which is just beautiful. But Simon judged her. He, and he judged Jesus for letting him, like, receive what she was giving. Simon wasn't seeking forgiveness. He just wanted to judge. There's two very different ways that we respond to people. I just want to read to you this quote. Jesus did not dispute the woman's condition with Simon. Both agreed how sinful she was. But the question was how acceptable she was. Simon was repulsed at the sight of her presence. Jesus let her touch, kiss, and wash him. Why? Because he loved much. And because she was a human in need of divine grace. Are we humans in need of divine grace? That's every one of us. You know, the disciple-making process happens before somebody makes a decision. It happens in that moment where you meet them on the street and they're broken and they're hurting and they're maybe really sinful. It happens from there. That's part of the process. And then it also is part of that, helping them to come to a decision in Christ. 
and then their journey on to become disciples. It's a, whole, it's a lifelong journey. It's not something that ends with a decision. It's not the great decision. It's the great commission. We're not asking people to make a decision. They're on the spot, and then that's it. We leave them alone forever. No, we are working with them from way before decision, out of authentic relationship with them, not just because we want something for them, but because our values are Jesus' values. Our priorities are Jesus' priorities, and we want to make sure that they get the best out of life. Our, our, our um, motivation is for them not to make us look good because we, made a de- we got our friend to make a decision today. That's not what we're after. So where is this commission best worked out? All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, of all the nations, in all people groups. In every people group, that's where it is. And we might think, well, I'm not called to all the nations. You know, we actually represent here a lot of different nations in this room. How incredible is that? So we get to go to all of those nations at points in our lives, but it is also the people groups who are in your world every day, the people that you work with, the people in your neighborhood, your community, the people who you go to church with, the people who are at your child's school or perhaps at the university, wherever it is that you are, is what the people groups that we have been called to go and make disciples of, our families, our friendships. And it is best worked out in our going. This is not about going not only with authority. This is about going not only with authority, but also with intention. We have to have intentional discipleship on our head, in our minds, that we are there to help people to take a step closer every day to knowing Jesus more, to becoming a disciple of Him. We intentionally look and believe for opportunities to make disciples wherever we go. You know, victory emerging continues to be our focus. And emerging into the disciples, that the disciple-making disciples that Jesus called us to be is so important, which is why we have put people in charge of making sure that we stay on task, that we stay focused on what we're supposed to do, because we can get distracted. There's a lot of good things. Like I said before, there are a lot of good things that Jesus could do, but he had to do the one thing. He had to get out there and extend the kingdom and make disciples. We want to make sure that we stay focused on that. So this morning, we have Pete and Fiona Edwards here, who are just an incredible couple, who have got the heart of God all over them, and who are doing a great work at Victory, but beyond that, in their own worlds. And I just want to invite them up today, because we have put these guys in charge of, or they're the leader builders, if you like. You'll hear that term thrown around a bit. Leader builders for disciple-making. So to keep us focused, I want them to just come and share with us this morning. Let's give them a big round of applause. And they are going to share this morning about their heart for disciple making. And uh, yeah, take it away, guys. Thanks, Jess. It's good to have you here. Is that on? Can you hear that? Awesome. Um, Firstly, I want to introduce Fiona because uh, she's going to stand here and she's not necessarily going to say anything because she's nervous, <laughs> nervous as anything. But what I do want to do is I do want to commend her to you uh, for because um, many, many years ago, uh, on the 3rd of June in 1990, I got saved, Fiona got saved around that time. And since that time, she's come alongside people and worked with people to help them to be uh, the best they can be as a disciple. And so I know as a living testimony that she's a wonderful uh, person to support and help people to become disciples. So, uh, but she's probably not the talker in the, between the two of us. She's the action on the talk. So I, I guess um, what, what I wanted to do was just to touch um, briefly in this short time on uh, why, why us and what you know, what this is about. And, and I guess, as I said, 3rd of June in 1990, quite a long time ago, Fiona and I got saved and we got radically saved from a life of sin, just like you if you're born again. You know, God pulled us out of the mire and, and it was a radical change in our lives. Wasn't raised in church and uh, got radically changed in our lives. And out of that change, there was an, there, there was an inbuilt, pretty much immediate gratefulness. It was like, I was on my way to hell. I earned hell, you know. 
and, and uh, I deserved it and it wasn't on one account that day I did this. It was the series of things that I did. It was the very nature of me that earned hell. And to, to find that Jesus Christ gave me salvation, a free gift, pulled me out of the, the flames, but then put me in the family. It wasn't just pull me out of the flames and then said, run away, you go and do your thing and, you know, you're, you're lucky. No, he put me into his family and he put us into his family. And so, so the, the fundamental driver was driver for us in our Christianity is gratefulness. It's, <laughs> I can't believe. It's like winning lotto time and time again. It's, uh, it's the greatest gift that's ever happened to, to us and it's the greatest gift that ever happened to you. And so many, many years ago, probably in 1997, God gave me uh, a vision and I was stirred, what can I do? I was, out of that gratefulness, it was, what can we do? We don't know what to do, what can we do? Until someone sort of said, well, you could do that, you know, or you could do this or you could do that. Someone in the church, just like someone in the footy club. And I love the, I love the sermon, you know, the footy club's trying to make disciples, you know, the netball club's trying to make disciples. The local political party's trying to make disciples. It's just their purposes aren't eternal. Right. You know, but the, but the function of the disciples in that is to, is, is to multiply and to propagate what, that, what that, that organization's vision is and what the purpose of that vision is. And so, so you know, God put on my heart a vision and uh, I'm not someone who gets these pictorial visions, but I got one one day. And what it was, and it's, uh, it was like a lake or a body of water, and in that body of water, the body of water was completely still. Imagine the sun on it, blue water, shallow water, but sitting in that water were all these sticks, rough spikes, sticks, you know, some were well-shaped, some weren't, some had branches on them. And then hanging between these sticks, six or seven sticks, was a net, a fishing net. And that net had been well used. It had some, you know, holes in it, it had... You know, it had been well worn, it had been sunbaked, and And uh, so, you know, this, this picture I saw in my mind, and as I said, I don't normally see these pictures. I'm thinking, what, what is this? And it was like a Ken Duncan photo, you know, if you've ever seen those, those photos. And then in that photo, it's like the photo turned into a movie. And uh, so the stillness of the water, the water started to erupt. The water started to stir. And what it was was fish, and the fish swum into the nets and they they literally swum into these poles and you could see when the fish hit the nets the poles swayed they moved you know significantly that way but they held the burden of these these fish and uh you know oh this is interesting you know I'm not a fisherman you know where's this all come from but God impressed upon my heart and this was literally just before he called us to a sort of a, a you know a preaching ministry impressed on my heart that that's what God wanted me to do was and or us to do as a couple was to plant posts plant more of those posts and to repair the nets because the nets had been well used so to repair the nets and in um in in the scriptures it speaks about uh in uh, ephesians chapter 4 it says for the equipping of the saints you know that scripture for the equipping of the saints the very word that it talks about the equipping of the saints is the same word that back earlier in the gospels if you if you recall where the uh, the, the disciples are they're, they're mending the nets it's that very same word that they're mending the nets so the equipping of the saints is the mending of the nets and so you know that vision and we grew about that and we we had 10 years in in a, in a pastoral ministry and things like that but stuff happened and we, we sort of lost our way. We were still in church, but we weren't in ministry. And, you know, since we came to C3, God has, God has reignited that vision. God put that, you know, like a television thing. I, I got the vision again. And I'm so grateful for that because he's given me a purpose. He's given us a purpose again. He's got us working together again. And so, so we talk to Pastor Keith and we feel so privileged to be able to step into a place where we can help people, help you help ministries to be all you can be, to, to be disciples and to make disciples. And so that doesn't make us your leader or anything like that. We want to come alongside you and support you. And so, uh, you know, we're excited about that. We, we don't know exactly how it's all going to pan out, that we've got some plans. Um, but if God's stirring you about this, um, we're, keen to, we're keen to know. So over the series of the, the, you know, the sermons last week and this great sermon this week, if God's stirring your heart about this, we want to know. Yeah. We were just privileged enough to just go on a holiday uh, um, uh, and we came back on Monday and we went to Norway. 
So I want to share a little story out of that just to sort of wrap up and give a picture. We went to Norway and we, we, one of the things we did was we went dog sledding. You know, and, uh, and so this was something we've never done before and so we're, we're out in the boonies, it's, you know, minus eight degrees and, and we go to this, this basically dog sledding place where there's 300 huskies, you know, and so, so we, you know, as we pull up in the bus and then, we, you know, we're going to jump on these dog sleds, some of the things that I, that I saw when I saw those huskies, it reminded me so much of discipleship. You know, a husky, when you find out about, you know, they told us all about it and they showed us the dogs and all of that sort of thing. You know what a husky, a husky is purpose-built. The DNA of a husky is to pull a sled. It's, there, it's like God created them to pull a sled. And so, you know, they have, in their feet, they have, uh, the, 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 the structure of their feet means that the cold doesn't come right up into their bones. The cells are grouped closer so they can run in snow and their feet don't freeze. You put your, put your other dog out there, put your, you know, your staffy out there, and they'll freeze to death. They'll be crying like a baby, saying, oh, get me out of the cold. But put the husky there, they're going, can't feel it. You know, we, when we stood there and they were kidding the huskies up, so they had six or eight huskies, uh, you know, set up to pull these sleds, there were some 200 other huskies sitting on their, you know, sitting on their boxes, are being fed, having come back. And, you know, every single one of those 300 huskies when they, when they saw the sleds being set up, they all, they, they wanted to be, they were desperate, take me, I want to I wanna be on the sled. I want to be the husky that's pulling the sled. And, they, you know, they were going to be left behind. There's, there was only six sleds going. But every other husky sitting there going, that's what I want to be. That's, I want to be pulling that, pulling that sled. And, you know, that's, that's the DNA that God has put in you and I He's equipped us. He's given you a DNA to want to pull God's sled. You know, and the, the other thing, when we got on the sled, I realised that the musher, the person that stood on the back of the sled, they're not there just being pulled around. They direct the sled. That's the Holy Ghost. They, they're saying left, right, and the dogs are doing left or right. And you know what? When, the, when it gets too hard, when the burden's too heavy, when they're pulling up a hill... The musher doesn't get a whip out. I thought they'd have a whip. They didn't get a whip out and go, yeah, come on. There's no whips. The, what the musher does is he gets off and he starts pushing the sled. He runs along and he starts pushing the sled. And he helps the huskies up the hill. That's what God does. When your burden is heavy, when the, you know, because the scripture says, the, the scripture speaks about, come to me all you who are heavy burdened. Okay? doesn't matter if you, you know, if you're not taking up the burden or the, the yoke of discipleship, you've still got weight on your shoulders. You've still got, you know, if you're not a, not a Christian, you've got weight on your shoulders. You're pulling weight. That's life. But the scripture says, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that it's not like we, when we get saved, we throw off the burden. There's no burden and we, we just walk around. Jesus said, come on, join the husky team. So we're... I want to put you to a purpose that is not going to burden you beyond your need, that is actually in line with your DNA, your new DNA, so that you can pull a sled. And, you know, in that sled, there's some, the, the dogs at the front are teaching, they put young dogs in there and they teach the other dogs. The, the dogs at the front know where they're going and then the dogs at the back actually are the dogs that actually bear more burden. So, so they all have a different role. They all play a different place. But, you know, it all is the plan. You know, when you see a husky sometimes, so, you know, if this, is the, this is the outcome for me in the end. You see a husky at, around here. It's not their place. I'm not, if you've got a husky, I'm not trying to <laughs> criticise you. But, you know, that husky that, husky that you, know, you, you might have in the backyard, that's not what they were created for. They were purpose created to pull a sled. It's like everything in them, their, their physiology is all about being able to pull a sled. It's, and unless they're pulling a sled, it, they're just not, that, that's just not what, they can get by and they can, you know, they'll get through life and, you know, they might be a good dog and all of those sort of things. But they're not howling at the moon going, that's what I want to do, that's where I want to be. And, you know, that's what discipleship is about. I believe what God wants to do is to stir up in your heart your DNA. This is DNA that God put in you when you were born again. If you're not born again, you're missing out. But if you are born again, there's DNA that God has put in you. And what he wants to do is to say, come along. My burden is 
light. My yoke is easy. Join the sled and we're going somewhere. And that, that is to make more disciples to carry the weight that God has um, planned for us in the sense of the, the purposes of the kingdom. And it's a multiplying thing. It's about multiplying. So Fiona and I are here. We're keen to come alongside you. We're keen to just be a husky alongside you, fellow huskies. You know, we're not the musher. The musher is the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're keen to come alongside. If God's stirring you, if you feel stirred about uh, making disciples, we want to know, make your pastor know, and we want to know. And we're putting together some plans to help support and educate and develop and resource you and, and your resources. And so we can come alongside and help you. But, you know... We're just another husky that found the, the purpose of being a husky in, in, in being Jesus Christ. So, so uh, thanks so much for the opportunity. Awesome. Thank you. You can hear the heart and the passion, hey, behind, behind what Pete and Fiona want to do and want to, you know, and like they said, we've, we've got the Holy Spirit. But we're all part of the team. There's a Husky team. We're part of that team. We're all doing it together. It's not just one person doing it. It's not. We're not doing it as an individual. We're doing this together. God has called us, right? He's called us. Why don't you stand this morning? Todd, why don't you come? And this morning, I just want to... I want to just, just challenge us this morning to ask God what it looks like in your world. Who are the people that he has placed on your heart to make disciples of. And I think that this morning, Pastor Darren, I might get you to come up. We're going to pray for people this morning. We're going to pray for those people in our world. What do you reckon? Yep. Let's Let's do it. Absolutely. Um, I was just reflecting on Romans chapter uh, 5, verse 5. It says that God's love has been poured into our hearts uh, for others. So let's just, I just want us to wait for 30 seconds in the Spirit. Just let's, let's just wait on God. I want you just to wait on Him and just let your heart be filled with compassion, with compassion for others. God, would you show us right now how you see others? Show us your heart for the world. Would you show us your heart for those who don't know you yet? Because this isn't just a this isn't a technicality. This is an overflow. Why don't you start praying in the Spirit right now? We're going to start praying for some some groups, some people groups, some groups of people in our own lives. The first one we want to pray for is our our own friends and family, people that we're regularly with, people in our own family who don't know Christ, our own friends who don't know Christ. So let's just start to rise in prayer. Let's just active, let's just be active right now. You know, let's open our mouths. Let's uh, let's pray for over, over real people who don't know Jesus right now. Let's just pray for real people with real names who have uh, a real life on this earth that, who, who's in our friends and our family right now. Let's start praying for some workmates, some colleagues of ours who don't know Christ. Think of some people who who you work with or maybe at university who are your colleagues right now who don't know Jesus. Let's bring their names before heaven right now. God, 
All right, let's pray for some neighbors, some people who are around you, maybe in your own street, maybe people who you come into contact with on a regular basis, your neighbors. Let's pray for some neighbors right now. Let's just pray for strangers, people that we don't know, people that we've never met, people that God might instruct us to go and love or give some money to or, or to just pray for them. God, we want to pray that we would have your heart for all people in Jesus' name, not just your heart for those that we know or even not just your heart for those that we don't, Father. But would you just give us such a great outpouring, uh, an overflow of your heart into ours, Holy Spirit, that we might be able to walk with you under the guidance of the Spirit and bringing life and love and grace and the gospel message to people in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. You know, I just want to finish with this. If you don't know Jesus yourself, then you can. And it's the greatest gift on planet Earth. This is what we're talking about today. This is what we are passionate about, is people, real people, coming to know Jesus Christ. You know, accepting Jesus Christ because He died for you on a cross. And three days later was raised to life. You know, and then He ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit down so that all of us could know God through Jesus. And He paid for your sin so that there was nothing between you and God. And this is the gospel message. This is the gospel that Jesus died and was raised again so that we could have life, eternal life. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.